You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. To all the women who have cried in the shower, smiled when they wanted to scream, and couldn't wait to get home and unhook their bra, Flaunt is the definitive guidebook on how to get back in touch with who you are underneath your labels, roles, and scripts. Fall in love with yourself right now. Breathe life into the dreams you left behind and live each day with uninhibited joy. Pick up a copy of Laura Cheadle's number one best-selling book, Flaunt. Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self wherever books are sold. It's available in print, digital, and audio formats and comes with two downloadable meditations. Hello, welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity and betrayal. Today's show is going to be really, really interesting because we're going to talk about a combination of things. We're going to talk about moving on and what to look for when you are dating somebody, because I know one of the problems with being betrayed is the inability to trust other people. That that idea that you can no longer trust yourself, that other people are going to do this to you, and really how to move forward with confidence. But in tandem with that, we're also going to be talking about behavior and some of the things that we can actually look for in prospective partners, in, in friends, this whole behavioral profiling from an actual expert. So with that, let's just bring um, today's guest on, Lily Walford. She is an international dating coach, and she is focused on how busy professionals can date safely. And I know after infidelity, safety is a huge thing. And successfully, when the relating and dating industry has really been focused on uh, manipulation techniques, scripts, um, and apps that kind of create short-term but very superficial relationships. So with that, welcome to the show, Lily. I'm excited for today's conversation. Yeah, thank you for the lovely introduction. Yeah, it's a super juicy topic, isn't it? When we talk about infidelity, trust, and being able to get back out there and, and knowing that you're making the right choice when it comes to meeting the right one. Yes, absolutely. And I know a lot of the listeners too, I think have that tension within their current relationships. Like, how can I tell if my current partner is lying or if they're telling the truth, because nobody wants to waste their time, you know, healing a marriage, healing a relationship only to be duped again. And then that whole fear of going forward, this is going to happen again. I mean, it just gets huge. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so many people don't understand also how to how to create a healthy relationship. This is not something we get taught at school or, you know, taught by parents or things like that. And you think about how many um, divorces there are. Is it something like 51 percent or something insane? You know, it's like, well, so many people are getting it wrong. Mm. So what are the right people doing right? And uh, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like during my research, there's been four main things that I think have been so important when it comes to actually creating a healthy relationship. And those four things are compatibility. We've got consideration, communication, but also collaboration. That, that to be honest, the collaboration piece is the one that most people get wrong. Yeah. <laughs> because if you get it wrong, it's like you lose out on the uh, sexual chemistry. You lose out on um, feeling like you're in an equal partnership. You feel like you're either dragging someone or you feel insecure in that relationship. And uh, that's, the, that's the one that really determines a lot of the success within the relationship or not because it's the way that you collaborate together to overcome things in order to uh, build the best relationship the pair of you can mm, I like that um I was wondering though before we go too deep into those mm. different aspects can you define for us what is a healthy relationship because I think a lot of people aren't even quite sure what that what that means how to define it Yes. So oh, the easiest way to describe it is it's a relationship where two people can grow. Because mm. often I find as soon as an unhealthy relationship is either one or two partners don't grow anymore. So, yeah. So I think that's in simple terms, but I believe that a healthy relationship is where you both have each other's best interests at heart and the openness to be able to grow and evolve together. Well said, well said. And that, that even brings clarity, I think right from the beginning here on if you're in a relationship where someone has cheated, can you now move forward and have each other's best interest and can you grow? And I think answering that filter question is the first place to start. Mm -hmm. And that depends on the couple. And the funny thing is, I've actually worked with couples who have gone through infidel infidelity. And the sad thing is, people, people often take it on themselves. If they've been cheated on, they blame themselves. And the truth is, it's not them. It's really not them. It's the person who's gone ahead and cheated. And it's the self-sabotaging patterns that have come from their childhood, as deep as childhood. <laughs> that, that's the thing that most people don't understand. Um, that, have, that have come up to the surface. And often when we go through things where we need to heal, things have to become so bad for us to be able to recognize it, to say, okay, this is a problem that needs looking at. Yeah. And that can be tough. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am high-fiving you virtually a hundred times over that. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so how can people, I guess, where, where do people start? Because you're, you're absolutely right. I know from my own infidelity story, it did stem from my husband's childhood. And how, how can women, especially successful women, competent women who, who can, close million dollar deals, who can advocate on behalf of themselves and others, who can do all of these others amazing things, how can they begin to step forward in a relationship to create a healthy relationship, to actually start knowing what this is all about? What is step number one? Yes. So I'm going to zoom in like super focused now on this collaboration piece. Please. So the thing that most people muck up on when it comes to collaborating is that just the starting point is you. And it's saying, are you accountable for your own emotions? 
Are you accountable for your happiness? Are you accountable for your actions? Absolutely everything that you do, are you accountable for? Mm. Is your partner doing the same? Because that is only the healthy place where a relationship can begin and where you see each other being equals. And the reason why this is so important, if you had a partner, let's say they cheated, and you know, you've, t- you've caught them out and you said, okay, you've cheated on me. No, I haven't. If you end up with that kind of dynamic, or even, yes, I did, but you made me. If you end up in that dynamic, it shows that that person is not accountable and they're not even, even in a place to be able to um, collaborate, to move the relationship forward. Because the starting point is truth, trust, and building from that point. Mm. And if you can't do that, you're not going to have the foundation to be able to move that relationship forward. And the other part, and this is where so many people go wrong, is when that person's not showing up the way that they want them to, they will try and control that person or try to bring that person into being accountable. And uh, they'll also take full responsibility for the whole of that relationship, which turns into something very toxic, very codependent, and also it's exhausting. Yes, absolutely. Oh, you are brilliant. You are hitting it all spot on <laughs> by piece by piece. You are absolutely right. And and I think especially because I too work tend to as a former corporate attorney, I too tend to work with women who are successful, smart, driven. And we, because speaking from my own personal responsibility for other people. (laughs) I will take that on. I will do that. I will help you. No, 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 no. Say yes. Spot on. Exactly. And that comes from, from um, childhood itself. Yes. Because often, you know, when we want to, it's quite funny. I was talking to someone today about this. When we want to punish someone or tell someone off or get on someone to see our point of view, we are stepping into control. And that all literally just comes from trying to feel safe. Well, if you can't feel safe within your within yourself and within your own identity to begin with, you're not going to get it externally validated. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So there is a gap. Mm-hmm. I get that consciously. And I know a lot of my clients get that consciously. And I'm sure a lot of your clients get that consciously. But putting that into action is hard. Yes. Yes. That takes awareness. That takes compassion. <laughs> that takes being able to um, be accountable for where you're at. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I tend to find is, especially with highly driven professional women, is being able to stop and to feel. And that's where so many people struggle. They often go into these checklists or they go and hide within their work or they'll hide within focusing on their partner and what's their partner feeling, what's their partner doing, and there's no space for them within their lives. So the important part is, is just sometimes the first step is the hardest and it's just having that place to be aware it's being aware of what's coming up it's being aware of the patterns it's being aware of where things go wrong only from that place and when you can be honest with yourself with that you can work upon it and change it yeah because everyone's pattern is going to be slightly different 
So let's say, for example, there's a certain thing that uh, when you get, when you talk about with your partner, it ends up in an argument. Mm-hmm. But what point is that turning into an argument? And also, what's the outcome that you're looking for? Because most people get so swept up with the emotions and it's, it feels so good to be able to get all the emotions out and tell someone how bad they've made you feel or whatever it might be. <laughs> but the truth is, the reason why you're having that conversation to begin with is to get a result and to make things better. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes realizing that you're actually not on opposite sides. You're on the same team and the problems on the other side. Yes, that's a huge one. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how, okay, you've got the, you've got these four things and I want to go into some more of those. Mm-hmm. You've got the awareness, you start moving through it. You start becoming aware you're figuring this out for you, but part of the collaboration also in the relationship and having that room to grow is having that room to, to fail And also to enlighten other people, to stop mid-argument and to say, hey, it feels like we're on opposite sides of the net, but in fact, we're on the same. Where is that line, though, between I'm controlling by telling you this (laughs) (laughs) and I'm enlightening you when we're growing together? Where where is that that line, that boundary? What's your suggestion around that? Gosh, okay, there's a few. Okay, so first one is where you speak from, you speak to. If you speak from anger, you're going to, you know, rile up the anger in the other person. So if you're in that place, you are not in the right place to be able to have a healthy discussion. So it's okay to literally go, look, I'm really angry right now. If if we carry on this conversation, I'm going to say something that I regret. Can we have 30 minutes or so? Um, and we, you know, we can cool off and we can come back to this discussion. And that's something that I learned from one of my mentors called um, a guy called Chris Hadnagy, social engineer, huge within the industry. He's fantastic. I freaking love him. Wow. Um, <laughs> he's brilliant. Um, uh, and the other thing is, and this is something that another coach has um, shared with me, is super useful. Are you speaking from love or are you speaking from fear? Hmm. Because mm-hmm. fear is a place where we control and that's where we want to feel safe. Love is where we want to connect, feel understood, and make things feel better. Yeah. So when we have a look at these things, sometimes it might be, okay, you're in an argument or you're in a heated discussion. You need that space. Have that space. Ask yourself, what is it that you need or what's the outcome that you are looking for for yourself first? Because that will give you an idea of where you want to go. Then understand what's your partner trying to achieve and then understand what is it that's going to be best for the relationship so when you are speaking with your partner you are looking for that solution together which is really really important and it's it's being able to have those boundaries in place the way you are able to walk away and have that space until the pair of you are happy to open up that discussion again that's super important it can never be one-sided so if one of you can walk away, the other one can too. Mm-hmm. And that can be hard. <laughs> it can be hard. And what I appreciate, just, just to get really vulnerable, <laughs> what I appreciate about that question, though, is what's your outcome? I challenge anybody listening to this show <laughs> to say that this hasn't happened to them. <laughs> Sometimes the outcome is I am feeling really grouchy and I just want a bitch. Yeah. 
you yeah. know and you know what there's nothing wrong with saying that yeah like look do you know what I've had a really rubbish day I just need to vent yes. <laughs> yes. sorry you were the first one there <laughs> I take full responsibility for that it's not you it's me it's fine yes. <laughs> yeah. can I share with you what's actually going on in my head and how awful my day was it's you know and the sad thing is it sounds so simple just listening to this but when you're in those moments and when you need to get it out and when you're all you know highly emotional and stressed or whatever it might be it can be bloody hard to do in the moment yes so but again it all starts with awareness yeah it does because the more aware you are the the uh, easier it is to catch it just before it happens yeah yeah. And, and some practice, just awareness and practice. Yes. Yes, exactly. Oh yeah. Now, what are some of all those other steps you talked about collaboration, which is huge. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we could probably jam on that for about six more hours. Oh yes. <laughs> we can go deep. Oh yes, we can. Especially post infidelity, you know, whether you're collaborating with your partner or collaborating with a new partner, that's huge. Yes. Yeah, but I do want to touch on some of those other um, steps as well. Mm. So another one. Oh, I'm debating which one to go for. Oh, let's go communication because it always sounds super simple, mm-hmm. but it is really important. And uh, this is the other bit that most people struggle with with communication is being honest and being open. And the place where most people struggle is understanding that their partner could be attracted to someone else and verbalizing sort of attraction, that there's some sort of attraction there. And what tends to happen is when someone shut down, it's usually the person shutting that person down is from an insecure place because there's trigger, there's fear. Oh gosh, someone who stepped in, they're, they're attractive, cool. There's a, there's a threat to me, I'm gonna shut it down. I'm gonna tell that person off. They shouldn't be saying things like that. It's looking at the moments when we're shutting people down or making them feel like they can't express themselves. And it's not to say that, yes, okay, it might be triggering, but it's also understanding Is it something that they've done wrong or is it something that's being triggered within you? Is it your reaction, the way that you're showing up or is it the way they're showing up or is it both? And it's understanding from that place of how to communicate in a way that can land, that can show that that you're understanding what they're saying, but also communicating your needs in that moment too and being honest about that. Yeah, because that's usually where a lot of the failures within communication happen. So, for example, some people are more more happy to go and communicate to friends and family of how bad their relationship has gone rather than being able to be completely open and truthful with their partner with what they're feeling, with what they're what they're going through and what they're needing. Every single client that I have worked with and I've worked with a lot, too. Mm -hmm. all around the infidelity space has said, if my partner would have told me there was a problem, I could have addressed it. Yes. 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 And it kind of, it, it, it does link heavily into collaboration because if you've got, like I said, if there's no accountability of saying, okay, there's a problem, 
how can you collaborate to fix it yeah but also sometimes it is understanding okay what is behind that that's got that that relationship to that place so is it the issues that have popped up you know with, within their childhood within you know the person who's gone off and um, cheated or has there been an element of where that person has felt shut down to begin with in a place where they can't express themselves to and that can be really tough to look at <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's super important. So it's having just that freedom to be able to talk and also understanding what the best communication style is for you and your partner, because sometimes it might be easier to drop a a text or a WhatsApp message or something like that. When there's a problem, cool. Can I speak to you about this tonight? It's really important to me. And it takes the emotion out of it. Or it might be that you need to be able to sit down, have no distractions and to be able just to talk it out. So it's understanding how you and your partner communicate best too. Mm -hmm. So well said. And that can change for every partner because, you know, I'm like, I know you do the dating stuff and all, all of my women, everybody listening to this show wants a good relationship whether it's marriage, dating, friendship, whatever, there is not one person listening who is going to say, no, I don't want good relationships. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That doesn't, that just isn't a thing. And communication, even if you're talking about relationships with your children or your parents, understanding that we all communicate differently and how to blend our style with theirs and how to honor theirs. That's huge. Yes, yes. I love that, the way you put that to honor theirs too. It's like, yes. (laughs) Because sometimes we can find things. I mean, uh, my my partner, bless me, he's on the spectrum with Asperger's. Mm -hmm. So anyone who's dealt with that, it's it's reasonably, um, it has its challenges, let's just put it that way. So when we sort of talk, sometimes it's understanding our communication patterns. You know, it's like um, with him, for example, he'll say something and it might be a little bit of a harsh tone, but he's not hearing the harsh tone because that's the part of the Asperger's. And it's learning how to, you know, collaborate together to communicate in a way that suits both of us. And sometimes it's even having that space to sit down and say, okay, what does this mean? And we've, um, we're both heavily um, involved and uh, love psychology. So we've had, it's because I'm so cringeworthy saying, it's so geeky, but we've had a two-hour discussion on what um, the, the word sorry means to pair of us. And it was, yeah. Powerful though. It is powerful. It is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> because when you start to understand what you actually need for an apology, you realise, well, the pair of you just want totally different things because, you know, different childhoods, different backgrounds, different beliefs, and it's also understanding what the expectations are of each other. Mm-hmm. And that's where so many relationships fail because they're suddenly trying to meet expectations which they didn't know they had to meet. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. That is a huge one. And, and again, you know, you've mentioned it goes back to your childhood, so, but it does so many different things. Just the idea in our head of what does it mean to be a good wife? What does it mean to be a good husband? I grew up with things. You grew up with things. Everybody grows up with an idea that's different. And when we say, let's have a relationship, we need to have a two-hour conversation on what does a relationship mean? 
Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Because most people don't have these kind of discussions. And it's almost like, um, you know, the blind leading the blind, you know, terrible analogy, but it is because if you don't understand where you're going or how the relation, you know, how you want the relationship to unfold, your partner's not going to know. And it's almost like saying, right, okay, we're going to turn on some music, you need to dance together. <laughs> no discussion. And you're going to tread on each other's feet. You're going to be dancing to different beats. It's going to be messy. And this is why the first, you know, year, I say two years, can be a little bit messy. It's mm-hmm. finding the way that you can dance together. Very well said. Very well said. There's such a belief in, I think, the whole world, really, that relationships should be easy. Yes. Oh my gosh, why? (laughs) You know, whether it's fairy tales or folklore, or we all love rom-coms, we all love that. And it's just, I mean, you, you mentioned expectations earlier. Wouldn't it be nice if the expectation around relationships was that they do take work, they do take communication, they take collaboration, all of these things and yeah. in the end. Because how many people go, oh, I've had a failed relationship, it must be me. <laughs> and, the, and the sad thing is you think about, um, you know, let's say, you know, you're single mm-hmm. and um, uh, you think about how many good days and bad days do you have in the year? And it's like, okay, how many does your partner have? Well, you have them on the same day. <laughs> and well, one, you know, well, two bad days. If your partner has a bad day, you have a bad day on the same day. Will that aggravate even more bad days? Yes, yes, it will. <laughs> and it's almost like you're both trying, you know, if you can imagine yourself as an emotional wave, your partner's another emotional wave. You're not going to be in the same place all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think people almost expect a relationship to be completely in sync together. No, and that's partially why it's hard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So what else are some of these keys, these four steps? Yeah, so I'll go for the, I'll leave the juicy one to the end because I love the juicy one. Oh, good. <laughs> so then one of the others is consideration. And if you've got no consideration for your partner, well, like, yeah, I'm going to use the dance analogy again. It's like dancing and treading all over someone's feet. Usually, if there's a lack of consideration, mm-hmm. there's a lack of emotional intelligence and self-awareness. Ooh. And yes. Yes. <laughs> so, for example, if you ended up in a relationship with a narcissist, well, you're really going to struggle to have a healthy relationship because there's never going to be any consideration for you or the relationship. Um, and the reason that is, so I specialize a lot within um, narcissism and psychopaths, typically. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the things about them is that the empathy part of the brain is actually underdeveloped. So when they see people, it's almost like, okay, cool, it's a resource. It's like, oh, it's a pen or it's a calculator. How do I use this to get the result that's going to feel good to me? And that's exactly the way they see people because there's no empathy. And we need empathy in order to connect. Yeah. Okay. I have many clients <laughs> who, who have talked about their cheating partner like that as a psychopath, as a narcissist. And sometimes I think they are legitimately. And sometimes I I just think they're extremely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So I, I love that you bring it down to the empathy portion of the brain is underdeveloped yes. because that also takes some of the judgment out of it, that it's not that I failed in my relationship with my narcissist and I couldn't make them see it's yes. literally a mental condition, a mental illness, a mental whatever. Yes. It's a disorder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that does take some of the judgment out of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like a form of autism. Because with narcissism, they can, they can see the empathy, but they can't feel it. Um, but with autism, they can feel it, but they can't see it. So it's, it's, it's uh, almost like this um, yeah, element within the brain. But the thing is, what most people don't understand about narcissism as well, is that it's almost like having a two-person cult, you know, is in terms of a relationship, because cult leaders are often narcissistic or psychopathic. Yes. So what tends to happen is they play with the identity of that person. So when a person leaves that relationship, there's often brain fog. There's often things of um, questioning their, their own mindset, questioning their emotions. They'll try and logically talk themselves out of things. They will, like the simplest decision that can be made in five seconds, like, you know, which brand of milk to get will be a 10 minute, you know, thought process. And often they'll carry the voice of their um, ex-partner in their head as a form of control. Like you're yes. no good, you're this, you're that. And that's a part of winding down the identity in order to control. Oh, that makes perfect mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Um, so yeah, and then the last one of a healthy relationship is compatibility. And compatibility, I mean, this is something that I've really, really like honed in on big style because it's so, so important. And we actually take our clients through something called the compatibility matrix. Nice. Yes. <laughs> because it's almost like saying, right, I'm going to plan a journey and I want this person to come with me. I want to make sure that we're heading in the same direction in terms of goals, individual goals, relationship goals. I want to make sure that we're listening to the same music or at least similar music, because that's like um, the equivalent of having similar rules in life. You know, mm -hmm. if you've got someone who really prioritizes manners or prioritizes their career, well, you want someone who's going to be either on board on that or can appreciate that. So it might be like, okay, I'll listen to this music and appreciate it. It's not my favorite, but I can appreciate it. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and things like lifestyle. You know, being able, are you going to travel in the same vehicle together? You know, if you've got one person going, oh, yeah, I want to go, I want to take the limo. And the other one's going, no, I want to take the scooter. It's like, well, <laughs> well we can see what's going to happen there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's not going to work. Okay, so here's a question, though, kind of inter the interplay between consideration and compatibility, uh, yes. going back to the narcissism and mm -hmm. all of that. It seems like at the beginning of the relationships, especially with the narcissist, they will feign compatibility. They will feign yes. compassion. It's that love bombing. And then people will say, I don't know what happened. We had the best, you know, year or two years or whatever it was. And then he or she suddenly changed. Yes. Yes. And this, this is why these relationships are particularly addictive. 
Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is love bombing. You know, when we hear all those amazing compliments, us, it's actually more addictive than a class A drug. Wow. Yes, yes, because you're releasing a lot of, um, you know, oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, all these amazing chemicals. Then what happens with a narcissistic relationship is they go, whoops, I'm going to take that away now. I'm going to withdraw. And what happens is it's, this is a process called emotional fractionation. So you've got the high, the low, the high, the low, the high, the low. Mm-hmm. And that creates it to be even more addictive, but also makes that person more compliant. Because when we're at the top, we're almost waiting for the low. So we're going to tread around on the eggshells. We're going to, we're going to ensure that that person stays happy until they're not. And then we're, we're chasing that love. We're chasing that high again. And that's one reason why a lot of people will struggle to leave those kind of relationships. Because all of a sudden, because um, a, a narcissist or a psychopath will chip away at that person's identity, that person's sense of self is stuck in the narcissist. Yes. Yeah. Because they almost become a part of that person. They can see things because because they can empathize so much. They can see um, where that narcissist is coming from. They can see the viewpoints. They're trying to be good, a good partner for that person and take responsibility for that relationship. But they're losing themselves in the process. And that's when they come out of those relationships and go, wow, I don't know who I am. I don't know what makes me happy. I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. They want to go back. And they feel confused why they still love that person, even though logically they know that person's wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And that goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, some of the awareness around that. And again, the awareness, okay, you might have it, but you're still saying my heart loves them. My heart wants this. Yes. Yes. And, and, and that's the funny bit. It's quite funny. Um, <laughs> I was uh, chatting to someone the other day. Oh gosh, this is this is cringeworthy. Um, uh, and they and they were saying about well, you you must be you know because I I was in this narcissistic psychopathic relationship. Oh, all fun and games. And one of the things they said to me was like, oh well, you must have been someone to draw that in. And the funny thing is, yes, to a certain degree. I say yes to a certain degree. It's about probably about 20% of that would be partially my fault. But narcissists, like I said, they are very, very, they're awesome at cult being a cult leader because they're so highly influential. You usually find them in leadership positions within corporate world. That's why so many successful people tend to bump into narcissists. Um, psychopaths make fantastic surgeons because they've got no empathy to be able to do things that most people wouldn't be able to do with a scalpel yes, <laughs> yes. And, the, and the thing is with those type of people if you've got no awareness of what they're about to be honest, even if you've got awareness of a narcissist and what they do they've still got capabilities to get their hooks in because they're playing with something called empathy and when you play with empathy um, that drives every single decision that you make on a day-to-day basis you know, empathy is talking about our emotions. So everything that we do, even down to brushing our teeth, is driven by feeling good and avoiding feeling bad. And that's how a narcissistic relationship starts. They allow you to feel good, and then they do things to make you feel bad, to make you avoid doing behavior. So, for example, it might be, 
I don't like your parents. Do we have to go to your parents? They don't like me. And they'll start doing things like isolating behaviors. All of a sudden, it's really hard to go and see your parents or see your friends. Or they'll turn around and say something on the lines of, well, any stupid people will think like that. Well, now that's made it really awkward to go ahead and bring stuff like that. So there's an element of being able to, you know, have, have a pattern within your childhood to go ahead and play in, in, in those kind of relationships. But the other thing is understanding the level of manipulation that can happen in order to allow that person to gradually control you through, you know, breadcrumbing techniques. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that leads kind of into that behavior profiling. How can mm-hmm. we avoid it? Because they are master manipulators and smart people get sucked into cults and smart women get sucked into narcissistic relationships. So yeah. how can we start avoiding that? So behavioral profiling actually is slightly, slightly different to the narcissism. So when we we partnered up with someone called Chase Hughes. So he's a world leader in behavioral profiling, has about $30 million worth of government-backed research, and has trained about 2,500 um, military operatives to a Jason Bourne, James Bond kind of level. And somehow we have managed to partner up with him within business. So a part of that process, we can profile people within six minutes or less. And we can also, yeah, and we can read body language to the point where we can read it more accurately than a polygraph machine. So we can see if someone's telling the truth or telling a lie within the moment. It's very, very cool Um, and very, very crucial when we're looking at picking partners because we want to ensure that we're building a relationship on truth. So if we can see the truth, we can build a foundation with the right one quicker. So a lot of my clients, when they work with me, um, the majority of my one-to-ones will meet someone within three months. Um, I just recently had a client who met someone within three weeks and they've just been on an amazing holiday in Croatia. And, uh, That's <laughs> and we, incredible. Thank you. And we're even launching a program where people can meet the one within six months guarantee. So we're... We're, we're doing some pretty freaking awesome stuff with it. But going back to um, narcissism. So, you know, we we're talking about like the lack of empathy. Yes. You know, they have literally either tiny, 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 tiny bit or no empathy at all. Well, the way that we actually get taught empathy as children is that when we're babies, we, uh, you know, mimic our parents' facial expressions. So we're sticking tongues out, we're smiling, and doing all those things and copying, copying um, parents' facial expressions. So when we tell a normal person a really sad story, we're like, oh, do you know what? I've just lost my job. I've gone through this thing. And everyone's facial expressions will suddenly drop and go, oh my gosh, you know, what's going on? You know, yeah, even like what you're doing there, you're, you're putting your hand in each other, like, whoa! It's just the idea. Like, hey. <laughs> the idea of a sad story, and I'm really sad. <laughs> what will happen with the narcissist is either they won't, they won't be able to empathize in the face, or if they are super, super, super intelligent, they will but there's a way to tell if a facial expression is inauthentic. And it's really simple, yeah. So you know when we've we've all been to an event or a party and someone's like looked over, someone we really dislike, and we look over, we smile, and then they turn their head and it's like, oh, thank God. (laughs) And that is literally, as soon as we drop that facial expression, that shows that we've been inauthentic. 
because yeah. a normal facial expression, when we're happy, it doesn't suddenly go, oh, no, I've changed my expression now. It gradually moves off the face. So if we see with a narcissist that the, related, that the uh, emotion drops off their face really, really quickly, or they change the conversation to something quickly, that will give you a huge indication that that person's a narcissist. Oh, that is brilliant. That is going to be so helpful, I think, for everybody. It is. It can, and the nice thing is, you can, it's not just relationships. You can also use it within business. It's hugely helpful in corporate. I worked in corporate for a while and that was interesting. Um, but yeah, it's super, super helpful. And the other one is just the word no. Hmm. If, and, and there's a fantastic book called The Gift of Fear. And it's by a guy called Gavin Dubecker. Okay. And it's a brilliant book. I recommend every single woman just needs to go ahead and read it. And it is dark. I will just pre-warn. But he um, did all the security for the White House. And he had to understand, you know, what type of people were dangerous, what people weren't. And one of the things that he said is anyone who refuses the answer, no, run oh my gosh that yeah (laughs) and the funny thing is it can be really discreet as well and I'll I'll give you I'll give you an example this is this just a funny one even just um in terms of you know clients and things like that but I had someone reach out to me on LinkedIn and they said okay I, I really 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 want to speak to you I said cool awesome here's my booking link Here's my calendar, book a time. You can find the one that suits you. I want to talk now. Here's my number. Oh. Yes. So we can automatically see lack of empathy, can't take direction. And that's a huge red flag. Huge red flag. And this is what I mean by sometimes it's not as obvious as them ignoring the word no. It can be them trying to take anything that you suggest and putting their spin of control on it. I love how you said spin of control because that's exactly it. And I'm thinking, you know, some of the women that I've worked with, some of the stories that I've heard, it's like, I'll meet you here. No, I'll, I'll just go ahead and pick you up because I want to be yes. with you. You know, yeah, I, I'm craving fish tonight. No, we're going to have burgers. I'm really wanting burgers. There's that <laughs> subtle manipulation that you hear a lot. And how many people notice that? And this is what I mean by how easy it is to go into a cult or a narcissistic relationship. It's not always like, hey, I'm a narcissist. Don't <laughs> date me. It's not that obvious. Right. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> it would be great, you know, like just something like a cap or something like that. They can just wear fine. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> oh, <all> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's incredible. So red flags and and you use that word. And I love the term red flags because that's something that so many people are saying, how do I know if it's a red flag? How do I know if it's just kind of a difference in personality? Because you mentioned compatibility and like my husband and I are different politically, yet we're still compatible. And, and again, there's that fine line between I do this, you do this, but how are we compatible and what's a red flag and what's an inconvenience? Yes, yes. Do you, do you want to try make it really, really simple? Because we can make it really difficult sometimes. Oh, the, <laughs> the smarter women make it more difficult. Isn't that the yes. truth? 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's really simple. Good. Do they have my best interests at heart? I yeah. love that. <laughs> and that way you can have different political views. You can, um, you know, do things differently. You can have different apologies, whatever it might be. And it's simple. Do they have my best interests at heart? Because their behavior and the things that they share with you will show you that instantly. And if you can't see it, well, then you're either being blind to it or it's not there. Mm. And that's okay. And the thing to test with that is saying, do I feel good? And do I feel good within the relationship? But also, do I feel good within myself and my life right now? Because sometimes if we're in a place where, let's say, work's a bit difficult, you've got a load of deadlines and it's really stressful how differently do you show up in that relationship compared to when you're you're on holiday and you don't have any of that stress so sometimes it's understanding is it your you that you're upset with or is it the relationship that you're struggling with I, I thank you for clarifying that because haven't we all had those days where we wake up and we're like, I'm fine, but my mom is making me mad. My boss is making me mad. Coworkers making me mad. My husband is stupid. My friend, and pretty soon you're like, oh, maybe it's me. Yes. Yes. It's like, oh, great. I'm having an I hate people day today. Huh? <laughs> right. It's not them. I think it's me. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think this is the other thing, you know, sometimes when we're we talk about relationships it's focusing on everybody else but us and uh, again I had this conversation with someone today it's like okay what do you need in order to be the best version of you where you feel focused where you feel healthy where you feel happy what is it that you need and how are you giving that to yourself Mm. you haven't got that how differently are you going to show up when you know let's say one of the things that you love to do is meditate well great how different do we feel before and after we've meditated and how different do we show up um, to people, to our work, to all these different things, or it might be even like, um, you know, a workout or it might be yes. eating certain foods. It might be even sleep. Gosh, my, my partner's cranky if he doesn't sleep. Sleeping and eating is his thing. I think me is meditating and needing a walk. I need a walk each day. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's understanding what you need in order to feel good and also being aware if you've given it to yourself or not. Yes. Yes. And, and I love that you're saying giving it to yourself, not demanding that your partner gives it to you because that's not going to yes. work. Yes. Oh gosh. How many people could become so dependent on their partners for their happiness? Like not being funny. It's hard enough being responsible for your own happiness, let alone someone else's. Right. Right. Because then you're always going to be, yeah. Yeah. Waiting for somebody else and disappointed. Exactly. And it throws out. So often we find that people in relationships, they lose their chemistry. Yes. And one of the big reasons why is because they stop seeing each other as equals. Mm. So as soon as you fall into that parent-child dynamic, where it's almost like, I need to do this for them, or they need to do this for me, you lose that chemistry and that that juiciness of the relationship instantly because you're not seeing each other as equals anymore. Right. Yeah. Because a parent child relationship is not a juicy. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's juicy in a different way, but not, not that dynamic. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you feel, you know, if you're the parent, you end up feeling resentful 
Yes. Because you're having so much demanded from you. And if you're the child, you don't feel good enough. And, you know, if from either of those energies, you're not going to feel like doing much. <laughs> no, you sure. Oh, so this, I think, has been one of my favorite conversations ever because it's because it's real, because it's accessible, it's simple, and it just clarifies so much. When you are working with people in, in the dating, how, how does that relationship progress? People who reach out to you and listeners, please reach out. <laughs> what, what, what do you do? How does this whole process work? Because this is just so enlightening and this is content and information. I truly wish every woman, every human could hear. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So the first thing that we focus on is identity. And that's just so important because if you're unclear of who you are and also your patterns, because we all go into relationships and go, oh gosh, well, you know, I've sabotaged. How do you sabotage? I don't know. Cool. We work all that out for you. (laughs) We heal that. We then go into something called um, compatibility. So the compatibility matrix. And we go through about eight different areas of your life that allows you to understand who's compatible for you. Because at the end of the day, you wanna make sure that you can fully emotionally invest into that relationship. Because the reason we have people that ghost or leave relationships early on is because we don't see a long-term future with that person. Mm-hmm. From there, we create a dating strategy. So um, we say, right, okay, so you, you need this kind of person to be in a relationship with. Great. We're going to create you a dating strategy to put you in front of that person. So you're not dating. We've all seen those articles where it's like, I dated 150 people in order to find the one. No. No. <laughs> no, no time. Oh, oh gosh, can you imagine trying to remember all the details and stuff? They've got brothers and sisters and where their family goes. No, 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 no. So um, we take the guesswork out of that. So a lot of the time our clients usually meet the one within, say usually within about three dates, three different dates with people. And, and then from there, we teach people how to build that relationship. So how to understand if that person is someone who they can trust. Mm-hmm. So there's a, and being able to cultivate that intimacy and trust so that's through the behavioral profiling being able to read people being able to read body language and then we go into how they can build that relationship together and when they get to that part of the course they actually have the option to bring their partner on so they can build the relationship together um, uh, from the same points oh that is brilliant Uh, none of the sneaky stuff like say these 10 things to make them fall in love with you (laughs) oh I, stuff like that is so toxic and so unrealistic and it drives me crazy. Yeah, it's clever though, because if that person doesn't, um, you know, fall in love with them after they said these 10 things, it's the lines, not them. And people hide behind the scripts and all the different, you know, techniques rather than being able to be themselves. So it's not them being rejected. Exactly. <laughs> very safe. Very safe. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so where can people get a hold of you and learn more about your program and your work and all of your brilliance? Thank you. Well, um, uh, best place to go is our website and that's lovewithintelligence.com. We've got a part of our compatibility matrix on there. So we can go, um, that's in the meet the one guide and it goes into the red flags. We've got 
um, a webinar on there where people can learn how to heal from narcissistic relationships because they're great fun. And uh, <laughs> we've also got YouTube videos as well um, going into various different things to support you with your relationship or meeting the one. Oh, wonderful. And I just have to say one of the things that attracted me so much to you and your work was just the whole name love with intelligence. Yeah, because my whole work is around being smart, sexy and spiritual beauty brains, beliefs. And so often when people think about love, the intelligence piece gets left behind. But it, yeah, it, it makes it crazy because people I think think it's all about emotion. And it's like, you can put some brains into it too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if our emotions were on the show when it came to our love lives, huh? <laughs> I'm scared what mine would do. <laughs> now that's terrifying. <laughs> well, Lily, thank you so much. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Um, listeners, I know you are going to want to listen to this show probably more than once, just because as things start shuffling through and settling in, you're going to get more out of it at different places in your life. So save this one, circle back around to it, reach out to Lily. Um, I will put all of her information in the show notes, but lovewithintelligence.com. Have an amazing week. And as usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are. Because who you are is always more than enough. To all the women who have cried in the shower, smiled when they wanted to scream, and couldn't wait to get home and unhook their bra, Flaunt is the definitive guidebook on how to get back in touch with who you are underneath your labels, roles, and scripts. Fall in love with yourself right now. Breathe life into the dreams you left behind and live each day with uninhibited joy. Pick up a copy of Laura Cheadle's number one best-selling book, Flaunt. Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self wherever books are sold. It's available in print, digital, and audio formats and comes with two downloadable meditations. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com.